Well, after yet another weekend of mental football scores, we are here for episode six of the Armchair Managers podcast. It's incredible week of football. I'm your co-host Ross Evans. With me, as always, Dan Newton. Hello. And well, we've got a lot to unpack this week, haven't we? Yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy one. With 25 goals alone just on Sunday, the Premier League is shaping up in a way we just haven't seen it before. So I think we just got to get straight into it, haven't we? Right. Dan, let's start with, I, I, I get the feeling there's not much point in going over what we predicted because we didn't get any of the scores right, yeah, did we? Yeah, I, I don't think anyone got any of the scores right this weekend. <laughs> um, let's start off with a surprising result, but the sort of one of the lowest score lines uh, from the weekend. Saturday was Leeds versus City. It was, yeah. Um we both expected City to go out and absolutely hammer Leeds after getting embarrassed by Leicester yeah. last week, but a 1-1 draw. Yeah. What do you think of Leeds' performance? I thought Leeds played really well. Um, they really exploited the flaws of Man City's defence. And, I mean, they were a little open at the back, but that's just how they play. Yeah. It's a really exciting way to watch football. And I thought they gave them a really good game. Yeah. And it, it was one of those that it would finish 1-1, but it easily could have been a couple goals to either side. Yeah, both teams had chances, didn't they? Um, yeah. And it just seemed that the midfield of both teams wasn't really there. It was They just seemed to be able to bypass the midfield straight into attack. The transition from attack to defence was flawless. Bypass that, the opposing midfield to create a chance. And both sides were doing it. Of course, we always expect that chances created of City. But Leeds to go out there against the second strongest side, you would think, in England, they didn't look scared at all or intimidated by them at all. Yeah, I mean, we saw the same against Liverpool. I think, you know, Leeds are great to have them back in the Premier League and they're happy to be here and they're happy to show off that they belong in the top flight. You know, they want to push every team as much as they can and I think they're showing that they're just as good as anyone right now. Yeah, um, obviously City had new boy Ruben Diaz uh, playing alongside Laporte and he, he looked pretty solid, didn't he? Yeah. Obviously, the Man City defensive line um, is a lot better with Laporte, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, that, you know, like we said, we, they needed a new centre-back. Yeah. And I think he's going to do well alongside Laporte. And I think, you know, hopefully they'll be able to strike up a partnership. Because if they yeah. don't, Man City will be in trouble. Yeah. I mean, you've got to talk about probably the weakest player on that Man City defence. Uh, Benjamin Mendy. Yeah. He's oh, he's ropey, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's had his problems with injuries and I'm sure that's affected his ability. Um, but he's just not up to the standard, I think, for Man City. They need to replace him. Yeah. You know, saw Pep bringing on um Nathan Ake to yeah. replace him and I think does that also show maybe a lack of confidence? I don't think he brought Zinchenko with him. Um but a lack of confidence in his first choice and his backup left back in that he'd rather play a centre back who can play left back in that position and also we know Ake is a solid defender he's, yeah um, has played at left back during his time I was thinking Chelsea's youth team and when he's first broke into sort of had appearances in the Chelsea side but they do need someone who's sort of let's say professional in that position yeah so you need, you need a, a specialist yeah at, at left back and I think You've hit the nail on the head. You know, Pep clearly isn't happy with his options there. Yeah. And throwing Ake in is, I think, a clear sign maybe to the board that, look, I know you spent a lot of money already, but we need another left back. 
Yeah. Um, it was overall it was an entertaining game, and you know, it, for a one-all draw, you don't necessarily see those as entertaining games. And you know, it's shaped up being probably one of the more entertaining matches of the weekend. It was definitely one of the closer matches. Yes, <laughs> and they say an entertaining game, and then Sunday happened. Yeah. Um, as we said, we saw twenty-five goals just on the Sunday, and we saw sixteen of them. Across two games. So, let's get on with the first one, which is Man United at home to Tottenham. Tottenham beating Man United 6-1. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ridiculous, really. A ridiculous game of football. Uh, fantastic to watch as a neutral. Oh, yeah. As someone who doesn't support any of these clubs, it was uh, quite wonderful to watch, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, United opened the scoring through a penalty from Bruno Fernandes. Uh, definitely a penalty, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was a clear penalty. Um, really poor defending from Sanchez. I think uncharacteristic of him. Yeah. He's normally quite a solid centre back, but no, I, I think when that penalty went in, and United looked pretty sharp in the first five minutes. You know, I think I was kind of worried for Spurs. Thirty-eight seconds penalty when on the yeah. clock when the penalty was awarded. So, <laughs> it, I mean, pretty much straight from the kickoff. And he thought maybe Man United are going to be, you know, solid. As a rock here, they're going to show up, be the Man United of old, with you know the names they've got in that team. You think maybe it's about time. You know they look yeah. good at the end of the last season. It didn't last very long that lead, did it? No, almost an immediate equaliser, a very good equaliser. I like yeah. to say, you know, it, Spurs really deserved it, but United were so poor at the back. Yeah, um, three attempts to head the ball away, I think, wasn't it? And yeah, they just managed to make it worse every single time. Every single header went closer to a Spurs player. Yeah. <laughs> and further towards the goal, and it eventually ended up in there. And then Ndombele, you know, scores. Um, he's look, he looks a bit better than he did. Still, maybe not quite there fitness-wise. Didn't complete the game, but he's playing in that midfield three for Spurs. He did look quite good, didn't he? He did, yeah. I think this season he's really shown why Spurs paid so much money for him. I know it's early days, but he is actually getting in the team and... You know, maybe him and Mourinho have sort of sorted out their issues, which yeah. I think is really good for Spurs because they need someone in that kind of role. Yeah. And if he can keep performing consistently and keep fit, I think he'll be a good player for Spurs. Yeah. And it got worse for United, <laughs> didn't it? It did quite quickly as well. Yeah. Um, Kane turning, I say turning provider, just apparently doing what he does best at the moment, which is providing. Yeah. Um, quick free kick, silly free kick to give away. It was. And it was they were slow to react, United. Yeah. I think in that position you've got to be a bit streetwise and you've got to stop them taking the free quick so quickly. Yeah. You know, Harry Maguire's got to just get there and go, No, I'm not letting you do this. Take the yellow card if you have to. Because yeah. you saw you just played the ball through to Son. Yeah. It's a goal. And once he's through, you're not catching him, are you? No, I even made such a, a pretty poor touch of it, Son. Yeah. And he still had so much pace to be able to get through and finish it. Yeah, it's and it, it just it, from there it just really went downhill. I think United looked beaten after the first half an hour the body language just says well can't be bothered with this yeah um and it 2-1 became 3-1 then 4-1 coming to the second half 5-1 6-1 Kane picking up two Son getting two and uh as I said Ndombele scoring got one yeah It, it was a yeah it was a very poor performance from United I don't think they were helped by the red card um, no, well, we need to talk about yeah, that, don't we? Yeah, we do need to talk about that, because it did change the game. Lamella, first of all, we've got to say, has 
he's one of those players. He's the Argentinian Joey Barton, isn't he? Yeah. He, he's just you'd love to be on his team and you'd hate to play against him because he is a shit house. He is. He is the definition of that, and is. I mean, it's one of the things you don't really like to see, you know. No. Because he he doesn't need to go down like that. I think the ref was already walking over before he went down. Yeah. But you know, as players like that, they've got to do everything they can to win. And yeah. It's not nice to watch, but I think we'd agree it probably was a red card. Yeah. But we need we need to talk on should Lamella have seen a red also because he did put his forearm into the throat or sort of yeah, upper sort chest of, throat, yeah, area throat area of Martial to push him away and it didn't look like a gentle shove it looked quite a almost like a yeah. jab with the forearm. Surely you know a week doesn't go by without talking about it, but VAR would have looked at that and that's why Martial got sent off. My question is, why wasn't Lamella at least booked? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I think I think they both should go for that, personally. Um, it, it's petulant by both of them, really. You know, yeah. Lamella's just trying to get the reaction, and Martial just gives him a slap. It's, yeah. It's comical, really, but yeah. no, I think you're right. They both should have gone. And I mean, it's hardly a slap. If you look at even yeah. in slow motion, it doesn't... You know, usually slow-mo makes things look worse, and in fact, it just showed how much... of you know, Lamella was play acting. Yeah, I think I would put more effort into swatting a fly away than, <laughs> yeah, than Martial it, did to yeah, Lamella. Um, but we have to praise Tottenham. Apart from that bit of, um, I'm going to call it cheating by Lamella, it's, it is, it's gamesmanship, I believe yeah. is the correct term. But I mean, but it's what Mourinho wants from his players. He wanted them to go out and be nasty. Obviously, yeah. Won't use the word he chose to use. Watch the Spurs documentary if you haven't already. Yeah, yeah uh, you'll really see that um, Spurs performance in that documentary. Yeah, <laughs> that was all Spurs, um, all Mourinho talked about. Yeah, and they really showed it um, against United. Yeah, and they looked like vintage Mourinho. Yeah, and it's, you know we, everyone can talk about how bad United were, but you don't beat them six one if you don't play well. Because yeah. Spurs could have gone out and had an equally bad game. You know, they took, conceded an early penalty, early goal, but they came back so strong. Kane and Son look unbeatable as a pairing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the midfield was solid. I thought Hoiberg controlled the game really well, being a pivot. He did. Um, uh, Dar- I think Sanchez were okay. Yeah, I mean, I think Spurs could do with another centre-back. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, Sanchez made a, a rash decision to give away the penalty yeah but I think with um, Hoiberg in midfield you kind of saw the difference I, yeah. mean, I know at one moment where he kind of overran the ball and he fell over and he tried to head the ball while it was on the yes. ground yes yeah, I saw that <laughs> yeah but I think that really shows the difference between Spurs and United you know yeah. Spurs as comical as it was you know they were willing to do anything to try and get on the ball and you know make any impact they could on the game yeah you know is Fred going to do that for United no, he's, is McTominay going to do it? No, um, like that, and that was the difference. You know, Spurs had the right mentality, and even though they went one 0 down, they yeah. didn't let their heads drop. If anything, they you know, it, it motivated them. They yeah. reacted to it and they scored the goals. Where as soon as United came up against any pressure, they crumbled. Yeah, and you know, it's Man United haven't made any moves except one really in the transfer window so far, which we'll touch on in a minute. But yeah. Donny van der Beek came on as a second half sub again. Has he came on later on in the second yeah, half as well. Yeah, quite late. Are you surprised to see that the only new signing they've got so far isn't getting into the team? I am surprised, yeah. Especially when, you know, Oli made the subs at half time. Yeah. You know, if you're going to change the midfield, surely you want to get van der Beek on. 
Yeah. He's played well so far and look, the other midfielders aren't doing it. I, I was shocked to see Pogba stay on. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm a fan of Pogba. I've always liked watching him. I think he has the potential to be an incredible footballer on his day. Yeah. But he was completely off it. Yeah. And surely you bring Van de Beek on, you even I'd prefer Bruno Fernandes out on the left wing. Yeah, I was surprised he was taken off as well because he is a player who can control create control the game, create some chances and it was surprising to see him come off at half time. And like I said, I think I agree with you, Pogba was I think he wasn't helped by the rest of his team having almost having to carry him through the game. He yeah. didn't look particularly interested. I mean, even in the second half, you know, he was at fault for the fifth goal and he gave away the penalty for um the sixth goal. I think it was in that order. Yeah. Either way, he, you know, caused the two goals in the second half. Yeah, he's troubling, isn't it? Yeah, for United, he is troubling a worry, times. You know, because they've not been able to get their players performing yeah. as well as they can for a while now, especially at the start of this season. Yeah, and um, Woodward, you're hoping, as we'll, we'll touch on transfer, today being transfer deadline day, you're hoping yeah. that some of these names that United have been linked with in the last 24 hours, they might, one of them might pop up, but... Yeah, but even then, I, I you know, I don't know if it's going to be enough United. No. I, I, which is mad to say, considering the amount of money they have spent yeah. over the last couple of years, but... No, like I said, it was a, a worrying performance and worrying yeah. times for United. Yeah, and... Moving on, speaking of worrying performances, <laughs> Liverpool were a bit rocked, weren't they? Yeah, didn't turn up, did they? No. Um, well, Salah did, but well, that was about it. Yeah, Salah was just playing for his fantasy football league, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so like, like me, if you had Liverpool defenders in your fantasy team, you got a bit of a shock, losing 7-2 to Villa. Um this one hurt me as a, as a Liverpool fan, so, yeah. so take it away. <laughs> well, yeah, as again, as a neutral, it, it was very entertaining to watch, but um, I can't imagine what it would be like to watch my team uh, lose like that, um, especially to someone like Aston Villa, who have started really well, but they shouldn't be putting seven goals past the champions. No. Um, um, it, it was just a very poor performance from Liverpool, and I think it kind of you know, showed the faults of their system. You know, yeah. every system has pros and cons. But when you play with such a high line and you have two or three defenders who aren't on it, you're going to concede chances every time the opposition yeah. goes forward. And Villa, to be fair, weren't even that clinical. No. They could have scored more. Could have scored more. And there's, as we, you know, as you say, I think, I feel sorry for Gomez because he had a torrid time up against Grealish yeah, or Watkins or Barkley. I mean, we'll touch on Barkley's performance in the Villa midfield in a minute and just Villa in general, but Liverpool's defence, Joe Gomez, I feel a bit bad for him because he got caught out with balls over the top a lot. Mm-hmm. It didn't help that in Liverpool's system, Trent Alexander-Arnold was so far up the field to leave that space in behind that a pl- players like Grealish and Watkins are going to see that and their eyes are going to light up. Yeah, they're always going to explode that. If you give them that much space, they will punish you. Yeah. Um so- but even his one-on-one defending, his positioning looked off. He gave them, you know, he's showing them inside and it's, it's kind of what they want. Yeah. They've got the ability. If you show them the inside, they've got the ability to take that. And it really is awful performance. Liverpool couldn't string through passes together. They looked bereft of ideas. When they did get something going, it it, it just didn't work. When, when they went 2-0 down, you think, Liverpool start to creep into the game. They start to yeah. take control. And then after that lasted for about 15 minutes. 
and then they fell apart again. Yeah, they they really couldn't get a consistent sort of run of you know being on the ball and controlling the tempo of the game for Liverpool, and they they just didn't look like Liverpool. You know, no. they looked like a different team, and I don't think they've really got any excuses. They just didn't perform very well. I know I know they had Mane and Allison out, which. You know, Adrian really didn't help them. Let, let's touch on his performance because he's just not good enough, is he? He's not, no. And I, I don't think, you know, Liverpool fans were happy with him going into the start of the season. You know, we saw it a bit last year. He had some good games, but yeah. some very bad games. And, you know, we talked about Kepper at Chelsea. You know, a good keeper makes a huge difference to a back four. Yeah. And when you have someone like Adrian who is erratic and will make mistakes and isn't really good at playing that sweeper position, Yeah, it's going to cause you so many problems. And, I mean, his goalkeeping was comical. Yeah, I'd hardly call it goalkeeping. Yeah, I mean, even Jamie Carragher was laughing at him in commentary. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was ridiculous. It's... Did Do you think that the back four, they didn't look like they had much confidence in him, did they? Like, no, they, they, they didn't. Um, I mean, it's... Liverpool again, as I say, we'll touch on later on the show, are linked with another keeper who they're look, probably looking to replace Adrian with after his disaster class. Yeah. Um, it's, it is a shock for Liverpool fans, I think. It is, yeah, because, I mean, at the start when we did our, our predictions way back a couple of weeks ago, you know, I said that Liverpool had looked a bit shaky towards the yeah. end of last season. But the way they started this season we kind of thought oh they've come past that they're looking like the team that won so many games in a row last year yeah but this performance really does throw a lot of questions at them you know yeah because are they going to have more off days like this or is, there, or is this going to be the motivation for them to go no we are better than this we cannot allow ourselves to perform like this again yeah and after such a good performance against Arsenal on Monday in the league yeah um and a pretty solid performance in the EFL Cup maybe somewhat unfortunate to go out on penalties um, Youth of the World it's just you know Liverpool back they've sorted those leaks that we saw they look shape they've fixed that no they haven't no I, it just goes to show you know I mean why we love the Premier League because yeah. I mean we don't often get 7-2s but anyone can be anyone yeah. and if you rock up to a you know Villa Park and you're not at it they'll punish you yeah and like we said earlier, they could have scored more. Yeah. Um, touch on Villa, I mean, Ollie Watkins getting his hat-trick could have had more. Yeah, he could have. He said that afterwards. Yeah. You know, how often does a new striker score a hat-trick against the champions and come off, well, you know, I should have had four or five. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Um, Barkley got, got got in the actually making his debut for Villa on loan from Chelsea. Yeah. Nice goal. Deflected. Yeah, but hey. to be fair, he should have had a hat-trick as well. Yeah. So many chances for Villa, and they they were they were really good. And they they looked hungry. They they pressed they pressed Liverpool's midfield. They stifled space um, when they need to be compact. They were really good, and yeah. they and their use of the ball over the top. They really just targeted the weaknesses of Liverpool's system, and they pulled it off really well, didn't they? Yeah, I mean it was apart from the two goals for Liverpool, it was a perfect performance for Villa. Yeah, you know. They really exploited their game plan as, you know, they wanted to, you know. Yeah. They took apart Liverpool as I think a lot of teams will try to do in the future. And, you know, they got the luck they deserved with a couple of deflections for the goals. But as we said, they had enough chances that 
I mean, it could have been double figures. Yeah, yeah. easily. Um, I generally thought we might be looking at a new record scoreline in the Premier League then. Yeah. Um, and for Liverpool to be on the receiving end of that is scare is wow. It is, yeah, it is not a result anyone predicted. No. It raises a lot of questions, but I think Liverpool will be hopeful that you know the players will go away for the international break and come back. You know. Yeah have a chance to clear their heads and get back to their best. Yeah, ho- hopefully we will see that. But we've got a couple of weeks to wait, haven't we? Yeah, and of course they've got to play Everton when they come back. Yeah, and Everton are in fantastic form and scoring goals. And yeah. Calvert-Lewin, who we'll come on to later, looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they're top of the league and yeah. beat Liverpool. They go six points clear. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's an early part of the season. but Yeah. Maybe too could, early to make predictions, but they're, they're good. And yeah, they? they're, I mean, challenged for top four at the least, I think, this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, something to look forward to, isn't it? Sticking on the theme of Premier League, um, it is today, Monday, 5th of October. It is the transfer deadline day. Yeah. Um, there's, we're looking at, it's been quite quiet this morning. Yeah, it's currently 2.37 in the afternoon. So, uh you know, there will be deals that we miss because um, we are recording this kind of early in the afternoon. Yeah. I think it closes at 11pm, uh, is it? Believe so, yeah. So um, I expect a lot of stuff to go to the wire, but we'll cover that next week, of course. Yeah. But, um, I think the main kind of thing right now is Man United. You know, they've been linked to a lot of players over the last 48 hours. Yeah. You know, Alex Tellers is potentially coming in at left back. Yeah, I ro- a bit... Bit of a kick in the teeth for Luke Shaw, who was quoted as saying that they needed more players, and it's his position that's being um, that's under threat. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, no United players played well against Spurs, but I think Luke Shaw was particularly suspect, um, and I think having good competition for him is ideal. And you know, maybe that means they can move a couple of players round in the defence, or maybe Luke Shaw can move the left centre back. You know, I don't yeah. know how that's all going to go. But Alex Tellers will be a good one. Um, Edison Cavani um, yeah. coming in, which I don't know about you, but I think that could potentially be a very bad signing. It could be another Falcao. I've got a feeling it, it's, yeah. it could be a Falcao. Um, it's they're struggling to get him as well, and I don't know if that's because Woodward is just being a bit um, yeah, a shit bit, with bit, money. Yeah, a bit tight with the money. Well, the, the weird thing is, I think a couple of weeks ago, Cavani's agent came out and said, you know, if Cavani was doing it for the money, he'd be signing for Man United. Yeah, it's... He's now about to sign for Man United, so is he going to be a bit of a mercenary? Is he just there for the money? And is he going to really care that much if he's getting paid 200 grand a week to sit on the bench? You know? Yeah. I, I think it could be a very expensive mistake. Yeah. Um, and, of course, they're also linked with Usman Dembele on loan from Barca. Yeah. Not had the best of times out in Spain, has he? He's got a terrible injury record since yeah. he's gone there. And you do worry, you know, if he comes back to England, not back to England, but if he comes to England, yeah, I can't see that really changing. Um, yeah, on his day, he was brilliant, you know, a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. But you do worry when you've had so many injuries, is he going to be good enough? And yeah. I think especially when they've been linked to Jane Sancho for so long, yeah, to then end up with Dembele is a bit of yeah. a, a kick in the face for United fans. He was, I mean, because he was playing well when he was at uh, Dortmund. Yeah, he did. Um, that's why, you know, Barcelona yeah. paid so much money for him. And, 
I believe he was linked with he had issues sleeping because he was staying up playing video games. Yeah, quite well, late. there were questions of his attitude, and he was in his you know hotel room eating you know fried chicken and playing video games was the one I heard. But <laughs> it's it's a bit ridiculous. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I hope it probably wouldn't be for a, mm. a, you know a young player like that. Um, but yeah, you know it, it's again like Cavani. I think it's potentially a a, a waste of money. Yeah. It's and you wouldn't say that they're positions that Man United need, do they? Wingers, they've got the Greenwood or Dan James is still out there. Yeah. Rashford can play out there. Martial can play out there. A striker, you can argue, yes. Yeah, well, it, I think with Igalo going back in January as well. Yeah, I think they do need someone in that position, especially maybe with someone with a bit more experience. Yeah, and um, I think maybe they do want another right winger. Um, yeah. Well, hence why they've been linked to Sancho. Um, yeah. But again. Does he really fit in there? Is he going to get ahead of Greenwood? Surely you want Greenwood to play as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, 17 goals for Greenwood last season. I think it was most of any teenager. Yeah. Um, You wouldn't really want to take him out of the squad, would you? No, would you? I mean, I know he's, he's had some off-the-field stuff recently, but yeah. he's doing pretty well on the pitch. And when you're playing you know, as a young player, you, you want to get as many games as possible. Yeah. I think they should maybe trust him and... I think maybe it's because they're not happy with Dan James. It's potentially why they're bringing in yeah, the right winger. Yeah, potentially. I mean, but the, I mean, the position you say they've got to have is a centre back. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of talk over who plays with Maguire. Is it Lindelof? He's not good enough. Is it Bailey? Bailey who's got a terrible injury record and shown he wasn't good enough. Yeah. I'm tempted to agree with, and I can't remember the pundit who says this, who said it. Is there cause that maybe the issue isn't that who plays with Harry Maguire that the issue, it may, the issue may also include Harry Maguire because he's not playing yeah. well either is he no I, I'd agree with that I think the conversation has changed from who partners Maguire to who just plays centre back for Man United because yeah. Maguire has been off it this season yeah like I said it's been off the field stuff a lot but he just hasn't played well yeah and the one thing he should be doing is winning headers and clearing the ball and he made a huge error for, you know, for doing that against yeah. Spurs, and that's the one thing he should be able to do. Yeah, he's he slabhead Maguire. Yeah, that's his one I mean, thing he's supposed to be good at. <laughs> I did see on Twitter that some Man United fans opened a Change.org thing to <laughs> reopen his case in Greece. <laughs> that is how desperate some Man United fans are to remove Maguire from their defensive line at the moment. Yeah, no, he is causing them a lot of problems, and I mean, you look at the price tag. And it, it yeah. looks worse every single game. Yeah, it's you know it's real problems. Like, what's what centre half would you feel that obviously as we said last week, it's really tricky to get a top top centre half. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a it's a hard market for centre halves right now. Yeah. Um, I've heard rumours of Upamecano potentially. Yeah. But you'd have to pay a lot of money for him. Yeah. You know, another like maybe sixty million, if not more. And I I don't think the United board will do that. No, the issue is with. United, they have a need, but these teams that they, the, realistically, the players they can buy at the moment, there is no need to sell those yeah. players. So the ball is in their court. They can, if United are that desperate for a player, they can just keep putting the price up. Yeah, and th- that's where you see the, and it can might see an inflated transfer fee for someone who, frankly, isn't that good. Yeah, no, it, especially you know it's deadline day, you know. Yeah. Prices are always going to be crazy at this point. Yeah, 
And I think it just shows how poor the planning of Man United's board for the transfer window has been. Yeah. You know, the fact that they've only been linked to some of these players in the last 48 hours, it looks like they're panicking. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't look like Oli's gone, I want these players and they're working towards it. I think they were trying that with Sancho and it hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And now they're panicking, trying to put something together. And I think it's just going to end up being a lot of very costly mistakes for them. Yeah. Um, and another team linked with a, another signing in the last sort of 24 hours or so in the light of their horrifying result. Uh, Liverpool have apparently inquired into Paolo Gazzaniga from Tottenham, assuming that will be with Alisson having a shoulder injury, which usually can be a bit worse for goalkeepers, yeah. obviously. Um, he he may be coming in to replace Alisson as the number two and to cover for... Yeah, not Repl- replacing... Re- replace Adrian. Adrian, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's normally me who mixes up the players. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's... Do you think that's a realistic signing? Do you think Spurs will let him go? Uh, no, I don't. I think that's paper talk or whatever. You know, I don't see Liverpool signing Gazaniga. But mostly because... You know, he is a goalkeeper that has a couple errors in him as well. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think he's the kind of player Liverpool are really looking at. And um, I think if they wanted to have a better number two, bring Karius back from his loan. Uh, you know, Karius made horrendous mistakes in the Champions League final. But before that, he was a pretty solid goalkeeper. Wasn't amazing, but he wasn't horrendous. Yeah. And I think he's better than Adrian, but... I don't think Liverpool will get someone over the line today. I think maybe they need to look forward maybe to get a younger goalkeeper in to play number two or get someone who can at least play the way Alisson plays, play the yeah. sweeper role, rather than just being a, a shot stopper. But yeah. um, as for Gazaniga, no, I, I don't see that happening. No, it's... it. I think, again, that's a case of, as well, Spurs balls in their court. Yeah. I, they, they'd be a bit short on goalkeepers if they sold him. But they don't need. There's no need for them to sell. Yeah, I, I mean, they do have Joe Hart, who could probably be a competent number two. But yeah, yeah, like I said, it, Liverpool would have to pay over the odds to get him, and I don't think he's worth it. And I, Liverpool, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, aren't really a club that have the financial stuff to just go out and pay, you know, twenty five million for a goalkeeper. Yeah, that's going to sit on the bench. Yeah. Um, are you? We've seen. Uh, confirmed transfers as well. Um, the only real confirmed transfer so far in the Premier League is Everton have brought in Ben Godfrey from Norwich. Yeah. Um, the it's reported that's within the sort of twenty to twenty five million pound mark. Um, it's good signing, good young centre back. I think that's more for Everton. That's more of a sign for squad depth at the moment, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think that's one for maybe the next couple of years in mind. I think you know Norwich didn't have the best defensive record last year, but he looked pretty good, and I think. He'll be good as maybe a you know a third choice centre back for Everton. Um, who knows? He, he might go straight into the team, but um, no, I, th- I think he'll end up being a good signing in the long term. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you know maybe Man City didn't want to get someone like that in. You know, yeah, you know they need a centre back. He looks decent, and you know he's not at Man City's level quite yet, but it might yeah. be a you know like a John Stone situation where you know Godfrey's at Everton for a couple of years, and then Man City buy him for you know yeah. fifty sixty million. I mean, are you are you expect obviously transfer deadline there? We do like say we see some big things. Are you expecting any big transfers this year, or do you think it's going to be um, a bit of a quiet one? I think if there was going to be big ones, they would have happened already. Um, 
I mean, we've mentioned it already, but the big one was always Sancho to United, which seemed like a strange transfer for me from Sancho's perspective. Yeah, I think he's better off at Dortmund, and I think if he stays there, he'll end up moving to a you know a Barcelona or Real Madrid in the next couple of years. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, I don't see anything crazy happening. I might be wrong, but um, yeah, I think this one will go by the book and be a little bit um uninteresting, or or at least there'll be there might be some signings, but maybe smaller fees. Yeah. I don't see a, I don't see a huge player moving. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see how it pans out throughout the rest. Throughout the rest of the day, I'm sure, as always, it always seems to be that something interesting happens just after we finish recording. Yeah, so. that's our record, and it'll probably happen again today. Yeah. Right, come towards the end of the show. Usually, we'd predict Premier League scores. Of course, this week, the next couple of weeks, there is no Premier League. It's international break. Yeah. So, I thought maybe we'd have a little chat about the England squad. There's been some more COVID controversy. Yeah, as, so, as there is every week at this point. So we'll start off with reportedly Tammy Abraham, Ben Chilwell, and Jane Sancho all were caught breaking COVID regulations for a surprise 23rd birthday for Tammy Abraham. Now, of course, we saw at the last international break uh, Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden breaking COVID lo- uh, regulations and they were sent home. Do you think we're going to see the same here? Um. I, I don't think they'll send them home. Um, I think they'll probably just keep him in the squad, give him another chance. Um, I think because this has happened, you know, maybe a little bit before they've actually met up in the squad, or, you know, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it, it's just a bit silly, isn't it? You know, yeah. they're clearly, they're all young guys, and, you know, they'll make mistakes. I mean, a lot of them are younger than us, and we're, and we're young. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a silly one. And um, yeah. I think they'll know that, and... I think it's a bit difficult when it's you know someone like Jane Sancho or Ben Chilwell who probably start in the team. Yeah. So um yeah I I I think they'll just get a clip around the ears. Yeah, it's you'd think you'd think they're so soon after seeing Foden and Greenwood do it that there would be maybe a bit more common sense. Yeah. Um. And you know people were surprised at how many footballers were getting COVID. Um. Do you think that's an element of just the sport, or frankly, a bit of stupidity on the players' part? Yeah, I think it's more on the on the players' side. I think you know they're so isolated these days, footballers from you know everything that's going on for normal people, yeah. and you know maybe they don't take these rules as seriously as they should, especially when you know they're in their own kind of bubble all the time anyway. Yeah, you, know, you think for a player that's training every single day, getting tested constantly, for them it probably doesn't seem that different to you know normal life yeah you know they're still doing everything they do in training but it's just you know it's it is what it is and i i think they'll um they'll learn from it hopefully and hopefully this can stop happening to england players yeah it's just just need it's they are young guys at the end of the day but they do need to wise up a bit don't they yeah they do it's, this has been going on long enough now for everyone to understand it and to keep breaking it i think for players to repeatedly break it is silly yeah, no, no, I, I, do, I do agree, yeah. Um, of course, be interested, be interested to see if they're in the England squad. What will be also interesting to see is if three new guys in the uh, squad play. So Bukayo Saka's been called up. He's been, you know, impressive for yeah. Arsenal over the last sort of eight months when he's really sort of broke into the squad, yeah. uh, scored at the yeah. weekend. No, I'm very pleased to see um, Saka in there. I think he's a great player and... Um, I think he might be in a weird situation where 
for Arsenal, he probably ends up as a, a left or right winger. Yeah. But for England, I could see him playing left back for yeah. a long time. Has has played there. Yeah. And did a you know solid job. Um, I've also seen Harvey Barnes called up in the squad from Leicester. He looked impressive against Manchester City. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, not so much against West Ham. No, but um, <laughs> much like Liverpool against Villa, I think that was just a a real blip from the Leicester players. That, yeah. You know, didn't really turn up. I mean, West Ham are playing really well with their manager not on the touchline. <laughs> Maybe that's the the anti-Moyes effect when he's yeah. not around we play well <laughs> um, but he's you know impressive young, young kind of went under the radar because he was a regular starter last yeah, no, season he, as well he's played a lot of games for Leicester in a, a relatively short career so um, no I, I think he's good it's going to be a big season for him you know if Leicester are going to get into the top four which looking at the form of some teams it's really up for grabs yeah and um, yeah I, I think it's a big season for him and he deserves his inclusion. Yeah, and of course one the final sort of new face we see is Dominic Calvert Lewin, who of course gotta say absolutely deserves to be there, doesn't oh, he? Ab- yeah, no shadow of a doubt. He's been in sensational form um since Ancelotti took over, really. Yeah. He's scored so many goals and he can really lead the line for England, I think. Yeah, it's you know, obviously we expect Kane to start, don't yeah. we? Well, um, I think it's really interesting with Calvert-Lewin coming through is could we maybe see Kane drop into a number 10 position and play almost as like a, a creative midfielder for England. You look at how he's playing for Spurs, he is still playing as a striker, but a lot of how Spurs play is the ball goes up to Kane, he drops te- deeper and the two wingers then sort of overlap. Yeah. And I almost wonder if he'll play, you know, almost like how Wayne Rooney, you know, played as a number 10 rather yeah. than just a, an out-and-out striker. Yeah, it's, you know, seeing that Kane's creating a lot and he's not just that he's cr- there's lots of chances so he's bound to get an assist. His passing is clinical. Yeah, I mean, technically he is a, a superb player on the ball and I think, you know, he is on his day, I think, you know, I think I, I messaged you the other day, I think he's England's most creative midfielder. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a midfielder, really. It's, it is... Um, Interesting to see what lineup he'll go, um, Southgate will go for because we saw the three-five-two kind yeah. of system, three-four-three three that he yeah. played last time out, and it was shocking. There was no creativity in that squad at all. Yeah, um, I, I think it's it's an odd one right now for England because they've clearly got a lot of very good young creative players, and it's just figuring out how you piece them all together. Yeah. I think it is a tricky situation to sort of work out what that system is. Yeah. But I think if England can get it right, they do have a really good, you know, generation of players coming through. Yeah, and I think England's centre back pairing as well is going to be interesting because yeah. Gomez is. He's like, he's you'd probably put him as a starter, but his form is a little bit erratic. Yeah. Maguire's out of form, and then you've got players like Connor Cody, who's playing really well for Wolves and has yeah. been solid. Um, who could see themselves just sneak ahead of the out-of-form players. I mean, potentially. I mean, you think, you know, Maguire, everything that's gone on, he might do him good to get out of the spotlight for a little bit. And, you know, like like you said, I think Conor Cody does have a real shot at getting a run of games for England. Yeah. And if he can do that, then who says, you know, he can't become one of England's regular centre-backs? Yeah, it would be interesting to see what he goes for. Question one are ask you is based on the squad what would your starting 11 be 
for England. Let's for the game on Thursday against Wales. What what would um, Dan Newton starting eleven versus <laughs> Wales be? First, what formation are you going for? First, okay. Um, I would probably go for a a four two three one. You know, I think it's a fairly standard formation these years. Yeah. Um, I I probably still go with Pickford in goal. Okay. Um, he does well for England. I know he's shaky for Everton, but he has good form for England and he's consistent there. Yeah. I'd go with Trent at right back. I know he had a very poor game against Villa, but in my opinion, he is England's best right back. Yeah. Um, left back, Ben Chilwell. Again, I think we've talked about a lot. England's don't have a great group of left backs right now, but Chilwell, you know, scoring his debut for Chelsea. And assist as and well. And assist, yeah. you know, I think he could be good. And, uh, you know, we come to the centre backs and it's, it is a tricky one. Um, I might actually mix up a little bit considering it'd be a friendly and maybe try a an Eric Dyer, Connor Cody kind of situation. Okay. You know, pick the players that are maybe on form. Uh, I don't know if that would be a, a partnership going forward, but as someone who's been critical of Eric Dyer a lot, yeah, I think he's actually done a lot better at centre back. Wouldn't it? Dyer works at centre half because he's not the most mobile of players yeah. anymore, is he? So where that lack of mobility is kind of apparent in midfield, it defence it's not a as a big requirement yeah he, so. d- he doesn't get as exposed for it as much and I think I think that's where he will play for England going forward yeah. that's definitely where he's going to play for Spurs at least under Mourinho yeah and like we just said with Maguire and Gomez out of form I think yeah. you give Cody a go yeah and um, I think then it comes down to who your, your holding midfielders are going to be yeah and for me I, I'd go with Henderson I think he gives a lot of energy to the midfield he, he works very hard and um I think you may be pairing with Declan Rice. Yeah, not going for Calvin Phillips? Um, not right now. I do like Calvin Phillips. Yeah. But um, I, I'm a big fan of Declan Rice. I think Henderson and Rice is a kind of defensive partnership. I think it's very solid. Yeah. And um, But I think Calvin Phillips would be, you know, the third choice to go in there. Yeah. And then I think the rest of the team kind of picks itself for me. I think you go Raheem Sterling on the left, um, Jaden Sancho on the right. And like I mentioned earlier, I think Harry Kane, number 10, Calvert-Lewin up front, which, you know, I'd like to see that team. I think that is a, a very creative team. And I think if you have Calvert-Lewin and Sterling and Sancho, you know, running ahead of Kane and him being able to pick them out, maybe on with their overlaps or underlaps, I think yeah, you could create a lot of chances there and have a really solid foundation behind you. Yeah, that's, you know, Kane has shown he can create. He likes to drop deep. He has... But I think he has gone on record and say said he does see himself as a bit of a number ten one day. Yeah, um, and I mean, if there's one flaw to Kane's game, it's probably a little bit lacking in pace. You know, yeah. he's not slow, but he's definitely not as quick as you know Raheem Sterling. No, but um, yeah, I think he'll play a number ten yeah. going forward. He's no. still an incredible number nine. But yeah, number ten, I think he would do a fantastic job for England. Mm. And speaking of that game on Wales, what? What do you think the score will be? Um, it's a tricky one. I, I think Wales might be missing a couple of players. I think Gareth Bale's still out with injuries, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think Aaron Ramsey might be out as well. Um, so it's probably not going to be a full-strength Wales team. Um, and I'd probably hope that England would win like 3-0 maybe. Yeah. But um, based on their current form, it, it could be tricky. But um, I'll go with 3-0. Go for 3-0. Yeah, I, I would say that the issue for me is England's centre-back pairing. Yeah. I'd, 
Cody's a good defender, a solid defender. Eric Dyer can be if he's going to... But Cody's a left-sided defender, which means yeah. Dyer has to play on the right. And as we said, Trent will go up the pitch if he plays alongside Trent. Yeah. Which will le- could, as we saw for Liverpool, see that that pocket of space exposed. Potentially. But, I mean, who's going to play on the left for Wales there? I would think maybe Robson Carno. If he's in the squad, I don't know yeah. the, the Welsh squad. Yeah, I don't really squad. know the, the Welsh squad that well. I mean, it's Harry, Harry Wilson and Dan James are they they going to compete for the probably right? Be in the squad, but yeah, one of the, it'll be one on the one either on side. Each side yeah, no Gareth Bale, but he usually plays through the med, middle. Yeah, he for plays Wales as anyway. a striker. Yeah, so um, I mean, no disrespect to Wales. Um, they'll probably prove me wrong and beat England now, but yeah, <laughs> I think you can probably afford to you know take a bit more risks yeah. in an attacking sense. I mean, I'm going to go two nil. Um, Surely, that that is with the asterisks of it depends what system Southgate yeah, goes for. Because yeah. if he sticks with this three four three, where there's no creativity through the middle, I don't think England will score at all. Yeah. Because it that system doesn't work. It it's you know the three one four two he played at the World Cup worked well because that had a sitting midfielder with creative midfielders to the centre. Three four three doesn't work because he's playing two central midfielders and expecting Sancho and Sterling to do all the work and he's playing two full backs as wing backs. Yeah. And the problem with Trent is as he always does when he plays with Sancho, is he squeezes Sancho's space. So he makes Sancho ineffectual. Mm-hmm. And it's just I I just don't see that system working. So I hope uh, how how would you it. sort of set them up then? You don't have to give the whole team, but what what would I your would, kind of strategy be? I'd be tempted to say a, maybe a four a four one four one, similar okay. to what Leeds are playing with the one sitting mid, one sitting midfielder working okay, as a pivot. So you're sweeping in front of the back. Four. Yeah, and then you midfield two ahead of him. You've got someone in there, a very great player, Grealish or Madison next to someone like Henderson with Phillips doing his sitting role dictating yeah. play from deep almost like a quarterback role mm-hmm. um, you can risk that being someone with less of a passing ability if you play Cody because Cody's passing ability out of the back is pretty good yeah he's solid yeah um, in that system you almost Trent would probably still be in there but you would maybe risk him not adventuring forward as much because you'd hope that your wide men in that formation should do it. And yeah. Alexander-Arnold more as a supporting player rather than joining the attack. Just hold off a little bit and try and maybe deliver some of those floated crosses well, from you, deep. You can, you can deliver from deep. You know? Yeah. Like you just said that that's one of his great strengths. So maybe he doesn't need to go on the overlap of Sancho yeah. as much. Because that, that overlap is really where it's, Sancho seems to struggle. It's once Trent makes that run, he's got to come inside. And that's where I think he needs someone there as an option because coming yeah. inside that he gets he looked like he got crowded out quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So a four one four one I think might work well with probably Kane up top, maybe yeah. maybe a four two a four one two two one with the wingers also four three three. Yeah, actually, think about that wingers playing a little closer up the pitch yeah. towards Kane. Okay. Um, I can see something like that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one because England have got such a wealth of depth, talented players in certain positions, but not in others. 
Yeah, I um, just wish they could play with just one centre back. Yeah, <laughs> it's when you when you've only got so many options in a lot of positions, and then you've got very little in a, what happens to be a key position. Yeah, you're kind of stuck. Yeah, it is a bit of an imbalanced squad. Um, yeah, not not because Southgate's picked an imbalanced one. I think that's just the crop of English players we have right now. You yeah, know, it's great quality in attacking creative areas, but. Not a lot at centre back. That strong core cen- centre yeah. that you need, just little lacking at the moment. Yeah. Um, but look forward to Sunday real test, uh, Nations League group game, uh, Belgium. Yeah, that'll be a tricky one. Um, I think with that game, it might go back to sort of the tried and tested England squad, maybe bring you know Maguire or people back in. But um, yeah, I think to be honest, I would probably you know back Belgium to beat England. Um, maybe 2-0 or something like that just because I think they're a really good team and um, I don't know yeah. if they've got a lot of injuries right now but um, I think if you have a, a fully fit Belgium squad um, up against England which an England side which isn't in the best of form and doesn't really know its best system yeah, I'd probably back them to beat him yeah I, ha- I have to agree with you I, I can see a 2-0 I've got to go with you on that uh, Belgium I, th- I want to say Hazard's out injured yeah, well, I don't know if he's fully fit or, or whatever it is. I know he's in a, a you know a tricky situation um, in yeah. you know Real Madrid. Not right in now. the best of form at Real, but De Bruyne has still looked pretty good. Not yeah. not up to his best, but he certainly looked good for City as we expect. As yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's still a good player. Yeah. Hasn't hit the heights of last season yet, but it's very early. And Lukaku was was electric after coming back from lockdown. Yeah. Um, they've got a talented squad of players, so you really can't count them out. And you know, as we saw in the world, well, World Cup, just they were better than us. They, yeah, yeah. Like I said, quite simply, yeah. they were the better team last time they played, and I think it'll be a good result if England win. But um, I don't really see that happening. No. Um. So I uh, yeah, it would be an interesting game. It could be one of those where football goes mad again. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We can't can't say for definite, can we? No, it's it's, it's a tricky one, but um, yeah, no, I'd back Belgium. Yeah. Right then, here we are again, end of the show. Been an interesting one. Yeah, it's it's been a very interesting week of football, and uh, I enjoyed talking about it today. I thought yeah. you know it's some fun games to uh, yeah. discuss. It was emotion, certainly emotional for me as a Liverpool <laughs> fan, and uh, yeah, feel free to sound off what you think of that on Twitter which I believe we'll have in the description of this episode yeah it goes in every week now if you are looking to find us you'll be able to find it there yeah but we'll till then we'll see you next week usual time thanks for listening